I have, you know, I've been doing overshare now for a couple of years, and the idea of imposter syndrome comes up a lot. Um, do any of you feel like you suffer from that, or are you just... Yeah, I had on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once I got the email with a list of who is coming, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's like all these legends, like, Ting, you're on a quiz I had in college of, like, what? contemporary illustrators I should know. What yeah. quiz? Sorry, you guys were not on it. Oh, that's, that's I need to know more about this. I was authorized it all by me. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to this bonus episode of Overshare. Uh, We're doing an illustrator roundtable talking about illustration. Uh, We're going to get maybe a little nerdy and insider on it, uh, but I think there's going to be a lot of relevant insights for anybody, any creative professional. Uh, I'm Justin Genak. I'm your host. I'm also the co-founder of Working Out Working. Uh, We're a curated network of the best creatives in the universe. Uh, It's our mission to eliminate the obstacles between creative people and opportunities. Uh, I'm also very excited because we did almost our entire second season here in this studio at Second Child. And there are, what, six seats here. And I usually only do it with like one or two other people. And I feel like really underutilizing the space. So I'm excited today to have four guests with me. Um, we're going to go around and have everyone introduce themselves. Uh, maybe talk about how long you've been in the business and where you're from originally. Hi, I'm Ping. I am based in Brooklyn, but I'm originally from Los Angeles, and I've been hacking away at this thing called illustration for nine years. Nine years. Hi, uh, my name is Daniel Fischel, and I've been an illustrator for the last 10 years. Uh, I grew up partly in Texas and also mostly in Pennsylvania, and yeah, now I live in Ridgewood, Queens. Oh, nice. Not Brooklyn. Not Brooklyn. Mm. Nice. Representing for Queens. That's great. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm Marley, and I was originally uh, from Ecuador, and I grew up in Jersey City. Um, And I've been working in illustration for four years, I think, now. Yeah. Hi, I'm Molly Magnell. I am the total rookie here. I just graduated less than a year ago. Um, Grew up in Boston, went to school in St. Louis, and now I live in Chelsea, about to be the Upper West Side. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I, I like that, like, we have a, a range of career experience, so we're going to get different perspectives and maybe even, like, ask questions of each other. I think it's exciting. Uh, first of all, how's everyone doing? Pretty cool. Pretty yeah, good. good. Feeling good. All right, that's good. Uh, we're just, are, are just simple, easy warm-up questions. Are you freelance or full-time? Freelance. A little bit of this and that. A little bit of this <laughs> and that. Good. Freelance. I'm full-time design trying to start my freelance career. Okay. And that's an, that's an interesting thing. When I talk to illustrators, a lot of times uh, it's pretty difficult to start a freelance illustration career right out of school, right? Did you guys all go and say, all right, cool, I'm an illustrator, and the money starts rolling in? Or how did you guys get started in illustration and, and to make it a full-time career? Mm, I think I wanted it badly enough, and I was just I like, I'll do anything. Uh-huh. And so I... <laughs> Uh, I moved out of the country <laughs> uh, after I graduated, and I was living with someone who was like basically supporting my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that time, I was able to like focus on trying to get the ball rolling, which was a very, very small snowball that took a really long time to become a normal sized ball and uh-huh. so on and so forth. But um, I think I was really lucky and fortunate in that way to have someone who could help me. Yeah, um, sure. And then, you know, from there, being able to kind of work out how to continue on my own. <laughs> and what was your first paid illustration gig? It was a New York Times piece for uh, the letters section, which is now no longer. But that was when I was in school. And wow. It was, so you peaked early. 
Well, it was also <laughs> terrifying because uh-huh. I visited New York when I was still in school and I was like, this is it. If I fail at this, then I'm never going to become an illustrator. So it was, um, yeah, it was like a postage stamp size black and white piece about reading aloud. And <laughs> it no- looks nothing like my work nowadays. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So your work's evolved a lot. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think that's like so true. Like the first pieces that you make. Mm-hmm. Don't look anything like your work. Yeah. And, and thank you're like goodness. trying to get rid of them from online. Like, I know. Oh my God. I don't no think they even exist anymore. It's on the yeah. newspaper. It's like yeah. basically dust now. Yeah. Well, I think that's an important thing for people to know because I, I think there's a lot of pressure, especially now with social media, like to have a, a distinct style and all that. And it's yeah. okay that it, it evolves and it's going to change and that's natural. Yeah. Uh, and you how, find more of your voice because yeah. in the beginning, you'll do anything the art director mm-hmm. says. Like, they're like, oh, can you just make it like this? artist i'm like yeah i'll do anything for you like, are you offering me money <laughs> yeah thank you so much yeah conceptual narrative sure i do it all like, yeah yeah <laughs> well and then it's like you do something and then see what starts coming your way really yeah. right um how, how'd you first what was your first paid illustration gig daniel uh technically it was doing screen printed posters for this production company in like north of philadelphia uh, and then from there, I would just do a bunch of random record covers, both for, like, small labels and mm-hmm. big labels. Like, my technically, quote-unquote, like, something that you could, like, write home about, like, freelance job was for Nylon Guys magazine. It was this really bad portrait of Michael Sarah for the movie review for Youth of Today, I think it is, uh-huh. or whatever, where he was, like, had an alter ego that had, like, a mustache. It was, like, really bad. <laughs> yeah. So it was an appropriate illustration for a bad movie. Oh, very. Okay. <laughs> Did he ever see it? Did he get in touch with you and say, what the hell? Oh, hell no. He didn't. Oh. Does that happen? Have you had that happen? Anybody? Mm, yeah. I've... I, I've had, like, a politician reach out and ask for, like, a print of, oh. like, a piece that I did for, like, this alt-weekly that, like... Well, that's cool. Yeah, that was really cool. So, so, so then you you did a good job on that. I did one. a good yeah. job, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, Marley, how did you get in and start, start your career in... First paid gigs. Um, well, I so I graduated in 2015 from RISD, and then I I just kind of had this like existential crisis, like what do I do with a BFA? <laughs> and it's a great uh, question. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> still I'm still yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to move back in with my parents, so then I decided um, to just go back to Ecuador, and I hadn't been back. I mean, I go every year, but I hadn't lived there since the 90s. Um, and I figured, you know what, just focus on making the work mm-hmm. uh, because I looked at my portfolio and I thought, I don't want to be hired for any of this crap. Like, I, <laughs> I want to make stuff uh, and be able to present that to the world and then be hired for that. So I left and I was just kind of bumming around hammock and mangoes and wasn't really i was just making my own that like shit amazing. and then <laughs> I'm like, I, uh, I started posting uh a lot about it on like instagram and then eventually this nyt art director was like yo do you want to do a cover i'm like yeah okay and so just, hammocks and mangoes led to a new york times cover yeah, yeah, yeah. basically yeah. that's a life lesson for everyone there. <laughs> all right cool you sensed your happiness and they were like let's let's get her yeah. she's, she's in a good space yeah <laughs> And I mean, for me, too, of everyone in my illustration concentration, there are about 20 of us. None of us are really doing editorial work right now. I think we're all a little nervous jumping right into it. I know for me, I did an internship in advertising, and then I'm now at the Museum of Natural History doing um, 
graphic design, the exhibitions department. But a lot of us are kind of scared jumping into it. Like, I took time to rebuild my website, update my portfolio. Um, I've been making, like, portfolio books to send to art directors, trying to figure out how to stand out, making personalized postcards. And it's been very time-consuming, so that's why it took me almost a year to get to this spot to start reaching out to people. Yeah, well, and it's it seems like it's it's a hard thing to break into, especially because, from what I understand, editorial illustration doesn't pay all that great. Who told you that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's a you know. So how do you build a, a business and be able to be self sufficient on you know some things that like sometimes you get paid a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks to do? Yeah, I think editorial is actually despite its meager payments, that it helps to get your work out there because, you know, people look at the Times or Mm -hmm. whatever platform that's on, and it's basically like a form of promotion, uh, you know, depending on however that piece came out. So I think they're good opportunities, especially in the beginning, and the turnover is so high that art directors are constantly looking for new people. Yeah. So it's a great gateway for new illustrators and that's like i feel like most people begin their freelance world in the editorial and realm. do you feel like it's like that stamp of approval like oh wow if ping's good enough for new York times <laughs> then we got to get her i mean i hope so but yeah. i mean i i still happily accept editorial jobs just because it it's a different type of thinking i like it as like kind of a pop quiz for illustration it's like you're thinking on your toes mm-hmm. um it's how also, long do you usually have to do this i mean in anything from like a day to like three days it's okay. it's really quick but okay. um yeah i think it's a great way for people to kind of experience what it's like to just work at that pace and you know so it's not for everyone but i think it's a great way for people to experience it um it moves you quickly like yeah. you you, yeah. you get that practice that you have to work fast yeah. and you're on someone else's time and no you can't ask for an extension because the public like the new yeah, yeah. is not gonna it's shifting wait for you yeah um but i do uh editorial doesn't pay well <laughs> it it doesn't uh sometimes but it's not as much as like advertisement mm-hmm. um which is so I, I try to balance it because my heart is an editorial. I absolutely love it. And I love that, like, example. It's a pop quiz. Like, you actually get to really use your brain. Whereas with advertisement, usually things are, have already been figured out visually. Um, the, the colors that you have to use to represent this company, uh, they already have worked on their identity for many years. So you're just kind of uh, visualizing their ideas yeah um whereas editorial it's more it's more hands-on but i i will take more advertisement jobs just because you know i need to pay for my rent yeah and my debt <laughs> but um here and there i will accept a an editorial piece uh just because it just keeps my artist so really happy yeah and then also like the exposure of it so yeah it may not pay that well but I do love this company. Um, I know that I, I'll probably get reached out a lot based off of this one drawing I could make, mm-hmm. uh, the exposure of it. So you have to find like a little balance. Well, it seems like a lot of times people um, bring jobs to us as uh, as exposure is oh the God. the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. The worst. Yeah, and like, and so how do you balance that? Because then I guess they're not coming to you and saying, "Hey, uh, it's just the exposure. And we're not going to pay you." And you know what the rates are for uh, editorial publications. Actually, for people who are listening. Can we, you know, Pink, you said you love talking about money. Love like, it. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what should people expect if you're breaking into editorial to get paid to do an editorial illustration? I mean, my tiny thumbnail uh, piece for the first piece I did for the Times was 175 US dollars. What? Because <laughs> it, it's tiny and oh. it's like a flat rate for okay. the paper. So, okay. um, <laughs> yeah. 
I have never heard of that low for a noise. Yeah, I didn't know it, it was gets that low. Okay. It was super oh, tiny. Like you have never stamp. worked for Isthmus Magazine where you're getting paid $50 for no, I, I've never heard it from NYT. Oh, yeah. my God. I've been approached for like $30 commissions and mm. like get out. Yeah. Yeah. But. So what is what is too low? What what, what what what's the bar so people know even how to establish a value when they're they're trying to figure this stuff out? I feel like it's hard because sometimes the job, like the opportunity to be free in the work and do something that yeah. you want, is yeah. too tempting to just let that go because mm-hmm. you're like, well, who knows if that exposure is worth anything? But if I can have like a good time with this, and if I have the time to have a good time, then you know maybe. But that's kind of a low priority. You know, because we live in New York City and yeah. mm-hmm. money is a really serious thing. <laughs> um, but as far as like editorial pricing goes, I would say on average, anything from like five to seven is like healthy and anything above five to seven hundred US dollars. US dollars. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, depending on the size, depending on the color, depending on, you know, how they're using it, you know, anything from like I've had between one to two thousand dollars as well for editorial jobs. So I don't know. Anything below 400 feels like kind of a punch in the face. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people Especially say... Especially if the turnaround's really quick. Yeah, they're like, yeah. you know, could you do two full-color pieces for our website? And, you know, it's I, I don't want to poo-poo on anyone's budgets, but, you know, the reality is that things printed for web don't necessarily need to be paid less than things that are paid for in print. I just mm. think, mm-hmm. I think the website, the internet is forever. Like a hundred times over, like I've gotten so many people being like, "Hey, can you do this like thing for the web for like two hundred dollars?" I'm like, "How about you raise it up because this is gonna be on the web forever." Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to like editorial pricing, I've done like a series of spots for like two hundred per spot, and I'm like, "That's fine because it adds up to X amount of dollars." Right. And I've done like like along with paying like thousand dollar full pages and and so on and so on. So yeah, it, it's it totally ranges, yeah. but it's at least but nice to know what the. I'm the also like is. a firm believer that like if you have like an alt weekly or like a like a small paper that like asks you to do something and they have very little money and you really like the article that you feel that you could get something really good out of it for like your portfolio, mm-hmm. no matter where you are in established in your practice, like you should do it if you feel like it. But if you if you're like all about business and you're like no, I can only do high-paid work or, like, medium or whatever, like, you should totally stick to those morals. So you, you need to know what your your own personal priorities are I, right now. A, yeah, absolutely, and, yeah. And then have a gauge of, like, all right, the, the, I'm getting something out of this. I have complete freedom on this one, and they're, and they're not paying a lot, but they're giving me a lot of flexibility, then great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's cool. I, um, so I, I, I began maybe three, four years ago, like after the first year of, of just like working like a dog and just accepting anything or any prices that anyone was giving me, um, uh, I began to notice that I, uh, I, I I got the courage to ask for a little bit more money and then a little bit more and more. And then I thought, you have money. You have money. And I, I'm just going to just throw it out there. Just ask for this amount. And if you say no, then we can negotiate for like a little, a little smaller. Yeah. But um, don't be afraid to ask for more money. Um, and that being said, I I won't go lower than five hundred right. nowadays. Um, I feel like you know I still have student debt to pay off, and mm-hmm. uh, and your time is valuable. Exactly, and um, I also like I I work. I was just ranting about this earlier that like I. I work very polished and very rendered. And no matter how small or how big the campaign is, I put a lot of work into into these pieces. It's um, it's a lot of 
time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I don't want to devalue all of that. So I, I always price a little higher. Except when it comes to, and I completely agree with what you were saying, um, if there's maybe like a, a Latin magazine that's just starting off in South America and it's discussing, I don't know, uh, you know, Latina poets. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I really like the article and I feel like this is perfect. This is a piece mm-hmm. that I can create. Not only um, will it be just amazing because it touches home, but I can put it in my portfolio and it can open up opportunities. Yeah. Um, so those are like certain commissions that I will um, not be so business. Yeah. Well, and it seems like uh, you put a lot of work into your pieces. And some artists, it might seem like their work is very loose and probably quick to do, and then people dismiss it. And they're like, well, it's not that hard for you to do that. And it's like, well, no. It's like I've worked years and years perfecting my craft to do this. So even if your work isn't painstakingly detailed, it's still having those safe standards of like what you've put into it to get to this point. Exactly. Yeah. And to tack on to that, negotiating is really scary. I think it's something a lot of creatives like shy away from. My biggest yeah. fear is like I pitch a price and they're going to say, no, forget it. But that's and not... you'll never work again. Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You're out of this industry. <laughs> but that's not really the reality. The worst they could say is no. Um, right before I graduated, I got approached to do a children's book and the asking price was more like 1500 at first. So I emailed my professor who had been doing that, and I asked him what's more realistic. And he said, pitch for 5000 You can always negotiate back down. Don't do it less for less than two. And I think that was really helpful in making sure that other people value my work and that I also value my work um, and what it's worth. Well, I think that's the thing of not being afraid to ask other people. Yeah. And having a network of friends that you can lean on or, or even people that are like a little bit older. And it seems like people are willing to share information yes. uh, when someone reaches out and asks you. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the only way that I knew about pricing, like aside from the kind of set prices from the Times for editorial work. It's like that's the foundation of how to how I built up all my pricing for any other job. So I'm like, well, this took this long. It's this big. It's like these specs. And this is a little bit more complex. And maybe I have more time. So like you know, finding what your worth is or what your work is worth is really difficult because how do you know what number your time and your craft and, you know, all the things that you need to pay for in your life? Like, how do you and your account student for loan that? Debt. Yeah, and all that. Totally. Yeah. So I think it's difficult, but the perk of living in the city and being around creatives is also surrounding yourself with people who are open to talking about this because I didn't learn a lot about how to price stuff in school. They like threw the graphic artist guild book at my head and were uh-huh. like, yeah. read this. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, cool. But this is published 10 years ago. Yeah. It's not yeah, quite it's as like, relevant. There's new editions, but I don't know where that information is coming from or if it's only people from the guild getting surveyed. Right. No offense yeah. to the graphic artist guild. You're doing great. But, you know, <laughs> it's like for the most yeah. part, normal people without, if you don't pay someone for like that information, how are you supposed to know how much things are? You're at the mercy of clients who are hiring you because they wield their budgets over yeah. your head or, you know, you're just throwing numbers in the dark. So if you're just going to guess, you might as well just throw, like, higher numbers. Like, yeah. wouldn't it be cool if I got this much money for this job? And then maybe uh, they'll have it. Also, the a lot of older illustrators have, like, blamed the Graphic Artist Guild for basically printing those numbers because it's caused, like, a stagnation over oh, the last, like, 30, 40 years. Wow. Um, for like prices being that the way they are, because like, like some things illu- change. <laughs> yeah, some illustrator was telling me like with inflation we should be making like two, three times what we're making, and I'm like, 
What's their uh, name? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not name dropping that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a, yeah. It, it, and it, it's, it has to be a constantly evolving conversation because this stuff yeah. changes all the time and licensing and you're saying, you know, things are on the internet forever. It's like, that's a totally different thing than like, you know, one press run for one day. Yeah. Right. Um, it seems like all of you have developed really distinct styles. Um, when did you first feel like you found your voice and your personal style? I don't think I have one yet. I'm still working on that. I think part of it is I grew up in this age of the internet and I'm just so inundated with really great work and people's different styles. Cartoons especially are a big influence for me. So things like Adventure Time, Steven Universe, it's all so diverse that it's kind of hard for me to develop what's my own style. It's something Mm. that takes a lot of time and I feel like I'm still at a point of growing and experimenting where I don't feel like I need to have a style yet. I mean, I do feel pressure um, (laughs) to have like that trademark style that people can recognize in an instant. But right now I'm not too concerned about having that figured out right away. That's good. That's That's very healthy. I think that's (laughs) so healthy. There's so many people who don't progress or, or like jump into their career because they're so worried about their style. Mm-hmm. They're not, they don't want to put it out there because they're like they're trying to figure out and, and you're just falling behind. Whereas like everyone else is continuing to move forward. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find your style right away. I mean, mm-hmm. the, we were just talking about that. The first pieces that we made look nothing like what mm-hmm. we're probably known for now. Um, and it, it just evolves with, uh, the tools that you begin experimenting with. Um, I, I'm a vector artist. So I, at first, I, I jump into Illustrator and I was making very cubist work because I didn't know how to curve anything. Oh, right. It was just like, it looked like You're using the skills and the tools that you knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then uh, people like were hiring me for that kind of work. And then, you know, within a year, I learned how to curve. I learned how to put gradients. Um, and then now my work looks nothing like the beginning uh, of how I started off. Um, and it's just slowly evolved into this style that people think I might have. I still don't think I even have a style. I think it's con- <laughs> consistently evolving. Like I, I was very loose and cubist. Then I got really rendered in photorealism. And now I'm just like, ah, it doesn't really need to be like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really need shadow. I'm just becoming more loose now. It just keeps evolving. Um, well, it's nice to follow your curiosity, too, yeah. and not feel like, oh, well, people were hiring me for this, so yeah. i got to keep delivering on this. It's yeah, like, yeah. no, I've proven I could do this. They can hire me for that if they want. But wh- what interests you and what excites you? Yeah, yeah, what are you, like, what are you reading? Like, mm-hmm. it's probably, like, showing in your work or, like, right now I'm going through my blue period. Everything is blue. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. How about you, Daniel, like, finding your own style? I think that it was just a lot of a combination of, like, leaning into a lot of, like, what is really bad about my work (laughs) and also like leaning into like the influences of like kind of growing up like around like flea market velvet paintings and Mm -hmm. like uh just really bad like artwork from like like thrift stores and stuff like that and uh over the years just trying to be like a really good acrylic painter and then realizing like like all the compositions are off and everything and then once I got to art school and started using photoshop and then being like, oh, I can, like, rearrange things. And then, like, that kind of, like, evolved everything for me compositionally. And, like, oh, I can, like, scan in, like, line drawings and do this and that and re- rearrange things. Yeah. And then I can, like, make my paintings look, like, more painterly in different ways and have a lot more control. 
And I feel like the computer and, like, my sensibilities of, like, all the influences kind of growing up from, like, you know, being in high school and just being like, oh, Roy Lichtenstein is, like, the only painter ever. So, like, <laughs> now, like, being, like, a regular at, like, MoMA or something and just be like, oh, no, like, there's, there's, so, many, there, there's yeah. so much more. And yeah. uh, that all kind of, like, tacks into it to kind of build towards, like, a certain sensibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Hmm. Well, I work in gouache and I paint. Um, and I think that was maybe it stemmed from <laughs> a long time of growing up being like, I don't really I'm not really good at anything. You know, like I, I just <laughs> wanted something that I that I felt like I could do. Right. Yeah. So I was like, well, it's Amen. not going to be math. Right. <laughs> it's not going to be history. It's not going to be English. It's not going to be all these things. And like drawing, you know, you like veer in that direction. You're like, oh, cool. I can be the weird art girl, I guess. And, um, you know, then you go <laughs> to art school. Yeah. yeah. You're like not applying to these, like, colleges that everyone wants to go to. I'm, like, going against the grain. And then, you know, when you land in art school, you're like, oh, my God, everyone's really good. I want to, like, I better cut my hand off right now. Um, <laughs> but then gradually it's, like, also within art school you're, like, finding what speaks to you. You, like, get to try different things, different mediums, different assignments. I think it was a natural evolution into working with gouache, which um, I think I landed on maybe in my third year of school. And I think it was, like when thing, like your interests intersect, where I was like really into Charlie Harper, who painted all these really, really beautiful graphic animals. Um, and I also really loved the matness, matness, matte texture. <laughs> matness, <Yeah>. love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're inventing new words today. Um, the matte look of like silkscreen. And I also really enjoyed like being able to paint on paper rather than like stretch canvases and mm-hmm. stuff. So I, I just kind of, went in the direction of like things that spoke to me and yeah, like felt right. expressive in a way that I felt like I could wrangle or if it looked a little like ugly or dumb, it was intentional. So um, starting from there, it like just like I like the colors and I think I just learned the material. And so at this point, having worked with it for like over 10 years, I I just am like, I know how to do this more than I, I can't do Photoshop as well as I can paint. I definitely can't do Adobe Illustrator. That is, we were talking about it earlier. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I made a weird infinity sign and I can't undo it. It's just like, you know, <laughs> and I just, I like the control of my knowing my mediums, knowing how long it's going to take me to do something. And I think the style that comes from that is like, it's based on how I feel. It's also based on like what's being asked of me and, you know, just whatever happens in the sketches and the uh, the expression. Yeah, are there ways that you break out of that comfort zone though? Like maybe ways that you challenge yourself so you go, you do see some evolution of your style when you're that comfortable with one medium? Yeah, I recently actually looked at some old works after update or in the process of updating my website and I was like, you know, looking at editorial works, I'm like, is there some kind of a formula where you just look at, oh, there's like a tiny person here. Now there's a big rock here. Now there's like a little hand and a big hand and a big shadow. And these are all just like tools in the like editorial playbook. And I was like, I don't want my work just to be like a weird assembly of kind of clip art yeah, yeah. uh, tools. So I definitely am trying to be more aware of like, how am I saying this? What am I trying to say? What's the mood? Uh, how do I want people to feel when they're looking at this piece? It's not necessarily just like depicting what this article is saying or whatever this job is about. It's like, you know, people are going to be looking at this, not like robots that will be like, check mark that person yeah. was mentioned in this article, you know. So um, I just want it to look like pieces of art on their own, mm-hmm. separate from whatever the reason it was for existing. Yeah. So 
Yeah. That makes, does anybody else have any like ways just to throw a curveball at your process? Um, so I've been trying uh, more and more lately. Um, well, just oh, sorry. Uh, going by what you were saying, uh, when I illustrate, so my my family they don't speak uh, English, um, and I grew up in a Spanish household. Like we weren't allowed to speak English there. Mm. Um, so whenever I tackle a piece, I I always send my mom her the articles, and she can't really read them, uh, but she can look at it visually. So. When I'm tackling a concept, I have to think about, okay, can a person who doesn't read English, mm. can they understand mm. this, can, like, all in one image? Yeah. Um, so I, I go by that. And then more and more, um, I have been, tack like, uh, giving myself the challenge of, all right, you're not going to draw silky black hair. You're going to do curls. You're going to do froze. You're going to do, like, every time I try to tackle a new type of lighting, skin tone, hair type, just trying to get every body type. It's not going to be this, like, perfect peach uh, illustration. Yeah. We're going to have, like, you know, actual bodies in it. And I think that we're, I feel like, in general, we're all gravitating towards that, like advertisement and everything. Mm -hmm. So your work should also gravitate towards that because it will open up more um, uh, work opportunities. And people, um, people like will uh, begin to appreciate that they can see themselves in your illustration. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's so beautiful to sometimes I like, get some students or some people just in general reach out to me and be like, wow, like, I, I, I really love that you're, like, illustrating, you know, um, more Latinos or the black community. Mm -hmm. Like, that that's amazing. Like, I feel like I'm there. Um, and that's something that I don't think I grew up seeing much of. Um, I was unbelievably infatuated with um, Snowy Day. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. That, like, that, and that was, like, one of the few books... Uh, Ezra Jack Keats. I can never pronounce it. Uh, that, Jack Ezra Keats. Jack Ezra Jack Keats, or is it? something like that. Ezra Jack Keats. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was just like few books that I could actually see people of color in. So mm. I I always try to to add that into my illustrations. Even the art director might not even know about it. I might just like you know do a sketch and then yeah. Little do they know it's gonna be like <laughs> yeah. It's like you don't need to get approval on yeah. I representing don't need, people. No, no, and that's something that no one ever raises. Like, uh, I'm not sure if you guys have come across that. If I do put people of color, no one will ever say, like, no, no, can you make yeah. this person blonde or something? Yeah, yeah. Not at all. And if I haven't even included it, like, within my sketches, they will ask more and more within, like, the past two years, art directors are asking, can you please uh, make those three characters women? Can mm. you make some of these characters people of color? And I'm yeah. like, oh, don't even worry about it. I was already <laughs> yeah yeah I already yeah, got yeah. you. <laughs> and do you feel like that's uh, that's happening more and more? Like you know, it, it seems like you all of you uh, have very inclusive artwork. Um, and has that been? Did, was there a moment where you had to make that decision, or did, did it just come naturally? I think as a person of color, it's like of course I want to see myself in yeah. work, mm -hmm. and yeah. it you know also growing up it was just like to see an Asian person would just be like what who is this Asian person? But you know. <laughs> It feels very normal to me to include different types of people in all walks of life because that's just what I see when I walk around, um, especially in this city. Yeah. Um, but I have had art directors put in briefs like make sure to include different body types and people of color. And it's the same reaction where I'm like, well, I mean, I don't, I don't need that as a no. Like, yeah. I, I know how to do that because yeah. that's normal yeah. for me. But the fact that they 
It's nice that it's being demanded now. It is, yeah. but it also makes me wonder, like, who needs to be reminded of th- things like that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, it's a good, but also, like, a question mark. It also makes you say to yourself, have you ever seen my portfolio? It's yeah. like a good rainbow of, like, yeah. different people. Yeah. I think a lot of people still operate in this default of, like, white man or white woman mm-hmm. or... Uh, typically what we picture when we think American, which is kind of like 50s, 60s, a little outdated in some ways. I think the next step moving forward is also drawing people of different abilities. Mm -hmm. We've seen more inclusion of people with wheelchairs, Mm -hmm. amputees, and giving them equal representation. It's really important to be able to see that and be of color. There's so many different types of people, and I love that as illustrators, we can um, show a more accurate lens of what people look like right i yeah, think that's a great like point. sorry to interrupt there's oh. like you know when you have an article that talks about those things it feels like it's the only time that you see those kinds of representations mm. because uh like the disability series that was in the times that was really beautifully illustrated by mm-hmm. dadu shin um mm-hmm. like though that was a great platform for just inclusion but yeah it'll be hard to talk about like have a different body type person if it's an article about like maybe, I don't know, marriage or something, you know, like people have such an ingrained sense of what normal people look yeah. like that mm-hmm. it's hard to make that leap right away. But slowly with like the power of making work in the visual world that um, you're basically training people to be accepting of all different things under any circumstance. So mm-hmm. I think we wield a lot of power in that way. Well, and I think it might be one of those things where, like Marley, you were saying, like you're going to put people in and no one's going to tell you, oh, no, don't do that, or it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you know, representing people with different abilities yeah. uh, might also be the same thing because you would feel like an asshole saying, right. take that wheelchair. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, like, What's wrong with this? Like, are they not allowed to do this thing? Like, yeah. You didn't picture that? Oh, are we talking about your status quo in your mind? Let's let's unpack that. Well, and I think it's good to <laughs> challenge, you know, challenge what is expected. And you were saying you, you have a lot of power and wield that power. So yeah, I think I mean it's also hard as maybe the person being hired that you don't want to push too hard in case that you like lose the job or like yeah. they're just like you're you become hard to work with. But I think taking a stand for things that you obviously think are should be spoken about and discussed. I you know like when else would you have that opportunity? Yeah, yeah, and then but there's also like points when like once in a blue moon I'm like asked to make a change like. Yesterday, I was finishing up a piece for a client, and it was for a piece about elite universities and how basically uh, people are still seeking out to go to these places that may have the promise of, like, connections and, like, higher, like, pay rates and all that for, like, future jobs if you go to, like, a college like Harvard or Yale or whatever. And then I do the illustration where uh, you have... I drew, like, a black woman using her diploma as a huge-ass, like, telescope looking for a job. And they have, like, a bunch of other people also using theirs, but they have, like, smaller diplomas. And, like, uh, the woman that's the main focus is, like, a black woman. And then, like, it's, like, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I get an email from the art director being like, I'm so sorry, but can you change the black woman to, like, a white woman because... It's not just a focus on that, but also about how, like, these colleges are disproportionately, like, white. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes, like... It's part of the storytelling. Yeah, so yeah. it's, like... So a lot of times, sometimes, like, the storytelling really informs, like, who you kind of draw to for as sure. well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I have, you know, I've been doing Overshare now for a couple of years, and the idea of imposter syndrome comes up a lot. Um, <laughs> do any of you feel like you suffer from that, or are you just 
Yeah, I had on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, once I got the email with a list of who is coming, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's like all these legends. Like, Tang, you're on a quiz I had in college of like what? contemporary illustrators I should know. What yeah. quiz? Sorry, you guys were not on it. Oh, that's, that's I need to know more about this. Totally yeah, and even like, yeah, yeah the people who have been on it. Like, I met Lauren Tamaki not too long ago, and I like flipped a shit. I was just so excited to see her, and she knew who I was because she just followed me on Instagram. Oh, so I that's I, such a moment. Like yeah, when someone yeah. you really admire just follows you back. Yeah. I've made it. Like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Definitely remember those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really big deal to me. So to be asked to be here among all these really cool established people, I was like, are they sure they know who I am? <laughs> Molly, we pep talked to you before this. I know. You <laughs> but I think that's the thing a lot of a lot of people suffer from. And and and, and also uh, I don't think pe- young younger people realize how much it means when they reach out to someone whose work they admire and tell them that, because you don't actually get it all the time. <laughs> and they might go, "Oh my God, Ping must get it all the time." And like, I'm like, sh- someone sends you a message, like someone sends me a message, I just like start crying. I'm like, "Oh my God!" It, <laughs> yeah, it's shocking have an impact. every time. Yeah, and it, and it means a lot. So it's like definitely tell people that you you appreciate them. Mm, ha- have uh, either of you two like freaked out when you met like an illustrator you admired? I keep my cool. No, I'm just kidding. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I remember meeting Christoph Neiman, and he signed, like, a book, and I was just like, I'm melting in my body. Like, <laughs> I don't know. What are you supposed to say? You're just like, I, I really like your work. You're my hero. <laughs> I mean, he'll never remember this, but, yeah. you know, it's like I, I know the feeling. It was humiliating. <laughs> I, um, I, so I, I grew up more uh, with the traditional like illustration norman rockwell and that that was my god he is Mm -hmm. was like the god of illustration norman Mm -hmm. rockwell (laughs) and then um i i'm just very much a hermit so i i don't really know that many people within my own industry and it's often uh, a little embarrassing because people are like throwing out names and i'm like the hell is that? <laughs> um, I just I get involved so much with like uh, my friend. I don't even have that many illustration friends. They're all like in uh, VR or something. It's, it's probably <laughs> um, healthier. It's cool. a little, yeah, so I don't get that like flustered. But uh, one moment, which was just crazy to me, I I was living in Rome and I uh, I went to some art studio, and then they're like, oh, this is Peter Rockwell's studio. And I'm like, like rock like Rockwell like illustration Rockwell and they're like oh yeah that's his son and I just like lost it but he wasn't in the studio yeah I was just like freaking out oh my god keep it cool and then he comes into the room like hi what's up like yeah and then we got along so well that I ended up interning for him oh Um, wow but I kept it cool Kind or like, <laughs> he's like Jesus. Like, <laughs> your your father is God, and you're Jesus. <laughs> and I kept it cool. And I think since then I've just been like, all right, you know how to you you met Jesus. You you got it. Like, <laughs> so I don't I don't lose it anymore when I meet some people that I really admire. Yeah. If you want, I could send you the flashcards for my quiz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Start learning the That's illustrators. Crazy. That's awesome. My my one and only like big like freak out moment. Um, uh, so I went to school with uh, Jonathan Bartlett, and we were, like, hanging out at Society of Illustrators for the student show that they have every year. And this was, like, over ten, this was, like, over 10 years ago, like, 11, 12 years ago. And we're, like, hanging out. I think he, at the time, was, like, already, like, a first-year student at SVA for, like, grad school. And we were talking, and a woman approaches us, 
And he's like, oh, like, how's your class? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, hey, Daniel, this is Jillian, Jillian Tamaki. And I go, Jillian Tamaki! <laughs> and he's like, yo, like, chill. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's all good. And I'm like, oh, all right. Like, I have, like, skim. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I totally fanboyed out to Jessica Hish uh, when I first met her, like, eight years ago. And we're friends now. And I'm like, she's like, it wasn't that bad. I'm like, it was pretty, pretty, pretty bad. I was just like, oh, my God, are you Jessica Hish? Oh, my God. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure she's used to that by now. Uh, but it's like one of those things also. It's like, yeah, it's like, and once you meet people, it's like, we're, we're all doing it. We're all, we're all hustling. It's good, you know. It's nice, too, like, that you can level out after meeting someone that you really admire. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of reminds you that not only are they also people, but you know, there's always going to be people that are, like, more talented and more successful and more amazing than you. And then there's always going to be people that are, like, trying to catch up to where you are. It's just, like, this ongoing cycle. And I don't know. I just think, like, on those bad days when you're feeling really discouraged and bummed out, you're like, everyone's better than me. Mm-hmm. It's not to say, like, look, look behind you. There's, like, a bunch of people, like, who would, like, die to be where you are. Yeah. But it's a good reminder to just be, like, you know, everything takes time. You know, there's good days and bad days. And it's it's okay, you know, like just you got to keep yourself focused on like what you're trying to do. Are you just trying to be famous or are you like doing it because you love this work and it's rewarding in that way? So I think it's yeah. okay to have those moments. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about comparison. Huh. Um, like I feel like it's and I talk about it a lot on the podcast. I feel like it's kind of shitty now how creativity has a scorecard. Mm-hmm. And you go on Instagram and you see someone that's doing something similar and you might have a thousand followers and they have 10,000 or 50,000 or 100,000. And so it's always easy to go and look at that and c- compare numbers. Like how do you how do you get out of your own head and especially if you as you were coming up like in Instagram obviously has gained popularity with as your careers have grown, but like how do you how do you battle that? Mm-hmm. I just learned there's a term for it yesterday, last night. It's called visibility bias, whereas when you don't see these face-to-face interactions with people, you have this elevated sense of where they are, and you only see these highlights mm-hmm. and how they're living in luxury or mm-hmm. only producing the best work, but you don't see all those torn-up sketchbook pages or the work behind it. Or the tears. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, the tear-stained sketchbook pages. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, too, it's hard to see the honesty behind the work that people produce on social media. And these algorithms, too, it's sometimes really hard for your work to get seen. Mm-hmm. Like I follow like an illustration tag, and I keep getting the same page that does um, My Hero Academia fan art, and they get like 10,000 likes per picture, and I have 500 followers. It just dipped down to four ninety nine today. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this hard day. Somebody follow. Next week you'll get some more followers. You that number five hundred two. Untouched. But it's a, it it does get tough. Like I, I heard a saying that really helped me is don't compare your blooper reel to everyone else's highlight reel. Mm. And that's all you see, you know. And you, you assume everyone else has it figured out, and you assume everyone else is killing it. And it's like, no, we're all struggling. That's why we're like having conversations like this to be like. No, nobody really has it figured out. And we all, no matter how successful we get, we still get insecure about that stuff. I can't imagine how hard it is to have Instagram, like, while you're in art school. Mm Because when I was there, it, or just in school in general, but, like, I, we didn't have Instagram uh, as anything. We were, like, told to just make a website and make some promos and, like, good luck out there, you know, so. I think Twitter just became a thing when we were graduating school. I think so, Yeah. 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 But Twitter was also, like, you know, the 
Facebook it feed where everyone was yeah. just like, hi, you know, like no one said anything of value. It was just like people screaming into nothing. I, I have a very different experience, but I'll let you. Yeah, yes, yeah. that would be great. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think Instagram was actually quite helpful for me just because I was living abroad and I was using it to kind of like connect to friends. And uh, it was filterless, not like they had photo filters, but like I didn't really have a filter using because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. There's like five people on here. I don't know what's going on. But gradually, yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was like a pure moment in that time, like the beginnings of Instagram and um, just kind of posting the kind of silly drawings that I was doing. There was like no real audience, but slowly like people showed up and it was like a small network that started. And it definitely was, like, I was there when Instagram, like, blew up and became, like, a platform that everyone used. And it was exciting because then, you know, like, there's, I've done jobs where you can, it's because of your social media that people hired you for. And you have your own audience, but, you know, from using Instagram for, like, I don't know, like, from 2011 to, like, maybe last year, I kind of saw through a bunch of phases and I lost interest in what I was seeing. Um, so I actually haven't been on it since September because I, I mean, I just kind of like deserted it. It's still there. I just, I don't look at my feet anymore. I, I realized gradually that I just needed to have like a clean slate for my own thoughts and being kind of inundated with all these people, like friends, strangers, like lives, stories. And I was just like, I can only retain so much information in a day and, looking at this many visuals is affecting my own work and my thoughts yeah. negatively and you know the kind of visual or visual bias yeah visibility visibility bias. yeah that makes so much sense where i'm like not that i was like why am i not married with babies and living upstate <laughs> in a farmhouse you know like i but those thoughts like started crossing my mind and i was like i don't want to think about this like yeah. this is garbage and i don't want to unfollow all my friends but i was like i don't need this like yeah I've, well, it's good I've to be acknowledged <laughs> when you when you take a break and step away from things like that. Yeah, and it was like it helped me break. hugely in getting connected with people, and it's also become like a source of pain, like yeah. in a on a daily basis. So I was like, I gotta just make a call, like maybe yeah. not right now. I need a break from this. I call it my social media sabbatical. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Mm. What were you saying, Daniel, about the Twitter and Instagram and? Oh yeah, so yeah, when I started as an illustrator. Uh, Twitter was, like, the platform where I actually connected with a ton of illustrators and, like, weirdly, like, mostly Canadian illustrators. (laughs) And it was a way, I think, like, in the early aughts, like, I should also, like, point out that, like, um, like, when I moved to New York, I interned for Jessica Hish. Mm -hmm. And I was basically just there to, like, pack her Etsy orders. (laughs) And, like, before I would leave to, like, go to the post office to, like, drop it all off, I'm like, so I have a bunch of questions. And Uh so each time I'd, like, get a little more and more. And she was telling me about, like, how, like, using Twitter, you should, like, put out, like, uh, a version of your honest self out there. But you're not, like, throwing out, like, the address of where you're hanging out or whatever. Like, like, yeah, yeah, you want to have, like, a certain sense of privacy. But, Mm -hmm. like, you want to be honest. And I think, like, at that time... It was very much like early twenty something, like very angst, kind yeah, of yeah. like person, <laughs> and like that, like was in a way like uh, people really like was attracted by that. But I think now, like uh, it's m- much more different kind of way of speaking on Twitter, mm-hmm. and uh, because of the oversaturation of like so many people talking and having an opinion on something or sharing something, that is a totally different environment where like 
it, people were much more accessible and easy to talk to and follow and like things and like want to hire you through Twitter where it's now it's very much an echo chamber of things. So, yeah. Well, isn't it? It seems like now too, and this is a big concern that comes up a lot with the community, is people only getting jobs because of their follower count. Yeah. And do you guys, do you sense that? Do you feel it? Definitely. Um, yeah. I, I have a friend who uh, works at a unnamed book publisher and she was talking to our boss and he was like, I really like so-and-so designer and I also like this designer, but I'm going to go with this designer because they have like a much higher like follower count on Instagram, which would draw more people to buy the books. So I think that like Oof. for like certain in-house jobs, yeah, I think for like certain in-house jobs and certain like jobs where you need to have like a certain following, it's it's, it's an advantage to get in, getting yeah. certain jobs, but I don't think it's the be all end all. If they like your work, well, that's a hard thing though. Knowing that as a young illustrator, designer, yeah. and and now going, hey, well, Ping's been on since the beginning, and you have a crazy head start, and then Sorry, like, guys. I, yeah, and I'm like 20 <laughs> years old, and I'm trying to go, shit, what do I do now? And so it's like that's a lot of pressure, and I guess it's just like just make work and kind of ignore that shit. Because if mm-hmm. you make work that's mm-hmm. unignorable, then you're still gonna get those jobs and get that work, and you know, as long as you're putting yourself and your point of view out there. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, it is like there's constant pressure and like you're saying even just social pressure and yeah. getting a getting a house upstate and it's like <laughs> it, and Molly, like how about for you like now coming out of school did you feel that yeah I mean part of me is a little bitter that there are still kids who are still in school and have like thirty thousand followers and getting these dream commissions I like <laughs> but I'm trying to like tune that out I've also tried to avoid Behance I haven't been on it. In like a year and I feel so much better for it because mm. I think you get kind of this reverberation of you see something that you like and you kind of replicate bits and pieces of that same with someone else's work and it does become your own but it seems sort of like um like a divergence or a re- refraction of what's already been made so I've been trying to find inspiration and more unusual places looking at illustrations in books um going to museums drawing people in real life. There are just so many other stories I can find mm-hmm. and kind of it's helping me find my own illustration voice without getting too distracted by what everyone else is doing. Well, yeah, and what's the difference, I guess, you know, when you talk about coming up, you didn't have Instagram. Um, um, we came up, you didn't have Instagram, so it's like uh, you weren't constantly seeing all of these different styles. And so what's the difference between inspiration and copying another artist's style? And, and and having different pressures coming up now and seeing what's trendy and I guess like you're like you're going on Behance and other other networks and seeing, hey, this is really tr- trendy. People are getting hired for this. Do I need to start making right. work like that? Right, exactly. And too, like I grew up um, as a child of the internet. I was on DeviantArt all the time as a kid mm-hmm. too. So there are all these guides on getting started, but I feel like. I don't know. There's just so much work out there, and sometimes I need a disconnect. Like, I feel like there's this big pressure, too, to make digital art. I remember I uh, torrented CS3 off of LimeWire, <laughs> Photoshop CS3. Oh, God, this you, isn't sponsored by Adobe. Yeah, you almost sorry. sound like you're, like, my age. You sound like you're, like, late 30s, 40s, torrenting uh, early Adobe software. Yeah, yeah. I had to go through yeah, that. Yeah, that was so, all of us yo, So, yeah. side note, uh, I was using Photoshop CS2 up until I think uh, 2017. Not that different. I used to think that worked. Yeah. 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 But, anyways, I saw all these like digital tutorials and how to paint things, and I got kind of frustrated. Like, why? How can I make art like that without these tools and all these different mediums? Which led me to eventually like save up for a tablet. But 
I started kind of young, seeing all this work I wanted to be able to make without figuring out myself um, how tools worked in a way. Anybody else like just like struggling with the maybe people being inspired by your work mm-hmm. uh, too heavily? Oh man, I, <laughs> I. What is crazy is that I um, I don't have to look for it. It just people. Oh, they tag you. Yeah, yeah. people like who um really appreciate your work. They're like your bodyguards. They'll like find people <laughs> who are copying you, and they're like, "Yo." You're copying off of at Marley Gallardo or like Marley Gallardo. Like, do you see this? Mm -hmm. And then, um, like, you know, I'll be a little salty about it. I'll be like, uh, thanks, man. Like, or something. (laughs) I'll just comment on something. But yeah. But then (laughs) if I notice that they're like, actually, that you made work, like you made money off of my work, Mm -hmm. things like that, then I'll call you out on it. Um, I've never had to be on like legal terms but um i think just like i caught you mm-hmm. that type of shaming mm-hmm. is people are just like hey and, and, sorry. and the internet will shame people for you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so um i just kind of i'm, I'm like real about it I'll, I'll just dm you and be like yo dude like it's one thing to appreciate and it's another thing to copy mm-hmm. uh and then and then some people will fess up to like hey i'm sorry like i, I you know uh I, I love your work and so and so. And then some other people, uh, they'll stick to the guns. They're like, oh, well, I just saw it on the internet. Yeah, you saw it on the internet because it's mine. Like, it's yeah. on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Like, I made it I, for the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I forgot who told me this, but one of my so, uh, designer, uh, they said in their studio, you're not allowed to have any reference art or materials on your screen or on your desk while you're creating work. Wow. Um, and so, cool, take all that in. And then when you're t- it's time to make something, go and just make something your own and have all those influences. Yeah. But then it, 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 you're not going. How do I how do I get these these sh- these gradients that Marley gets and all that? Yeah. And so and then it becomes your own. And it's your own output, and it may be very closely resemble your work. But then as you do that more and more, it's going to be more and more your own, uh, and, which I think is a nice practice. And like when I first started off, so like you know, setting up my artboard on uh, on Illustrator, uh, I would have my canvas and then. All around there are just references, so many references of all the work that I like Mm -hmm. um, to tackle this one piece. And then after a while, I'm like, no, you're not Mm -hmm. like you're not making their work. They're being hired for like their voice and you want to be hired for your own voice. So now I uh, surround my artboard with references of my work. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Just to like keep looking at some of the work. I'm like, oh, you know what? Like that is a good that's a good pink right there. Yeah, like, yeah. I like how you said it here. And then I just, I get inspired by me. <laughs> yeah, that's really smart. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think because I paint, it's almost kind of like, well, if you want to, if you want to try, you can, like, yeah. bring it on. But, you know, it's like, I don't own gouache. I don't own painting or these colors. Like, I'm not grinding berries to make my own paint. It's yeah. like... I owe a lot to people who also provide me with the tools. But, you know, it's like I know that I have a certain personality and I behave a certain way and I would treat things differently. My perspectives are different. So even if things are visually similar, I think it doesn't bother me that much because it's like, well, maybe it's only fitting for like these certain types of things. And I know I can do way more than that. So it's just kind of like just brush it off. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's like I I also because I'm not using Instagram that it's it feels refreshing kind of like I can no longer provide people with things for them to like yeah. 
mooch off of. Yeah. Like I update my website, but it's like it's also kind of nice to it's not, not have to yeah. be suffocated by like all the potential people like that could take things from you and you're just like um oh, i've left the room and it's quiet now yeah, yeah that's really smart this is such a like uh, additionally with the um with the like trying to find your own style uh, another thing that i feel holds a lot of students especially back is like i don't want to put my artwork out there because someone's gonna steal it well then no one will see it no one will see it. art yeah. directors won't can't see worry it. about it yeah, yeah like what are you gonna just tape them to your wall and have your like <laughs> mom appreciate it Moms um love art yeah art. yeah, like that, <laughs> yeah that's it Moms love art. Um, there's only so much room on the fridge though yeah. Yeah. yeah and so i had a friend um his name is uh dan bandit and he he illustrated the world of Ooh, I think like he did oh, the adventure, adventure time. time. Yeah, so he he, that's all his stuff, and it's very because the minimalism mm -hmm. that you know um, how they approach that character design and that world of Adventure Time. It's it's very easy to try try and do. So often people do copy his work, and I asked him about that. Like, what do you? How do you handle that? And then he gave me this great line, and it's just always stayed in my head. He's like, the day that someone can do my work better than me, it's theirs. Mm -hmm. It's theirs. So you, mm -hmm. it just keeps you, like, you know, pushing forward. Like, uh, uh, if someone can do my illustration, my, like, you know, uh, I don't know, magical realism, Latin American mm -hmm. narrative mm -hmm. way better than me, well, damn. Like, that's telling me something. I need to work a little harder. Great like, I, I need to mm -hmm. to dive in deeper into what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and I just keep that always in yeah, mind. I love that. And yeah. um, also, you can, like, copy my aesthetic, but you can't copy my ideas. You, like, mm -hmm. people can't mm -hmm. go into your head and, like, copy how exactly you will tackle something. Well, they'd have to, like, be you. You yeah, know, like, you your life has so many you. dimensions yeah. and experiences and just your perception of the world is so complicated, which yeah. is also why I, I've i never liked looking at illustrations for inspiration. I'm just, I feel like it's like a regurgitation mm -hmm. of the same mm -hmm. things that have already been interpreted. And it's like, you know, it's crazy, but like books mm -hmm. and like walking outside yeah. and yeah. just, yeah. just yeah. things and a feeling, that are copy a feeling. Yeah. entirely yeah. separate from your own experiences that you can then understand and appreciate and then interpret because you're forming ideas about things that you're experiencing for the first time yeah i feel like that's just so much more exciting than being like damn that table was rendered real nice in that illustration <laughs> whatever <laughs> Copy that shit. Yeah. yeah i think it's important to surround yourself mm -hmm. with whatever subject you're about to tackle but not visually because mm -hmm. that's your job it's mm -hmm. your job to tackle that visually mm -hmm. but then let's say i'm doing something about um i don't know uh pre-columbian like studies or something then i will like buy an audible book and just listen to that or like listen to some documentaries about this and then just kind of take all of that in and then make something awesome mm, i've had other people's work reference but they i think it was only for feeling like mm. the mood of a piece no one was like we want this although i don't know if it's ever been the other way around if my work's been referenced and they were like do this so we can't afford pink so uh yeah i mean you know <laughs> i like i like my monies <laughs> yeah i do find people's other people's work in um creative briefs often um but i always you know if it's very different i i always let them know like uh this is what i'm doing i actually just wrapped up um a project and i thought i literally only accepted it for the money 
right? It, it was like no, no shame. Yeah. <laughs> no shame. Gotta get paid. Um, it, there was no concept behind it. You just had to render something. And it's very easy to get jobs, at least within um, uh, like camp advertisement because I work in vectors, you know, the flexibility that it can be blown up or like made into like a tiny little logo. Um, so I accepted it. And then um, I was supposed to do a full on illustration, but then in towards the end, they just needed me to do like one single thing because they hired some cheaper artists to like do this illustration. And I'm like, all right, well, I mean, I'm still pricing this at this. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay. And then they, they wanted me to like, um, kind of morph my work into this artist and towards you know I was kind of uh, accommodating because I did price it a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> for this stupid little thing uh -huh. but then they were just it was not working and then you know what I had to ask for like a meeting and I'm like listen this isn't going this is not working yeah. you're hired an artist that it's stroke based it's kind of it's kind of more like a cross hatching mm -hmm. Look at my work. It's all gradient based. Yeah. Right. So we're going to have to come into an understanding because I'm not going to cross hatch my work. Like I don't even know how to make that. Yeah. 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 Um, it's important to like kind of articulate that and be willing to like stand up for yourself. Yeah. Let people know that you're being hired for your work. For You're not going to be hired to like morph into someone else's work. Um and that that does happen often with uh, with some commissions that they want you to like uh, abide by their aesthetic, mm -hmm. um, and it happens a lot, at least with an advertisement, yeah. uh, because they've like set the foundation. Like you weren't even born, and they had already <laughs> set the foundation of their visuals. Yeah. Um, so I uh, when I see that that's happening, and it's very quick. You you notice it very quickly yeah. when they want you to like, just basically change everything about you um you have to let them know and stick yeah. stick up for yourself in the beginning because it's not going to feel good because you're like yeah i don't know how to do yeah that. i don't like i, I don't want to even post this on yeah. my like portfolio mm -hmm. or anything no, it's yeah. crazy how much you have to establish in the beginning like because i paint all my work it's yeah. also this whole thing of like well i don't want to repaint yeah. and i don't right. think you want me to mm -hmm. repaint um mm -hmm. and i think it the kind of compromise has been just clear communication uh just letting them know off the bat that maybe they thought it was digital, but it's actually painted and yeah. that I'll send them examples of my process of mm. this is what my sketches look like. This is what a color sketch looks like. This is what a final looks like. So there's like no mystery. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's honestly just to save everyone time and headaches because I've definitely learned that as a helpful tool like over time rather than assuming that they'll know exactly like what my sketch will morph into as a final. Um but, you know, it's it's also, like, when you catch those kinds of cues in the beginning where someone's, like, clearly just trying to, like, puppet master you, mm -hmm. yeah. then, you know, either it's time to say, well, I don't do that, or, you know, like, this is what I do, take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of crazy. I don't know what people really expect when they show you a different work or yeah. a different person's work, and then they're like, but we want you, and you're like... I don't understand. Why you hire <laughs> Just that call them. Then. Yeah. And they're like, Norman Rockwell isn't with us anymore. And you're like, yeah. all right, fine, I'll do the Norman Rockwell. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Marley, you brought up earlier about being a hermit. Uh, and illustration seems like it could be a very isolating career choice. <laughs> Um, uh, so long. We, we even like, I saw like Ben the Illustrator does that illustrator survey every year, and it was like 83% of people that uh, answered this year work from home. Um, how do you how do you get past that like isolation and, and help yourself feel more connected or do you just love being a hermit and screw everybody else <laughs> well i am an introvert like i am that if i think if you ask my friends who's the biggest hermit of like anyone that you know yeah. they'll 
me. I, I am a hermit. My mom's a hermit. My grandma's a hermit. I'm a hermit. Um, but then I do go like out some sometimes, like once in a month. I'm like, guys, I need to dance. I need to get it out of me. Let's go to some Bushwick warehouse. <laughs> um, but I, I am naturally a hermit, but I do get lonely. <laughs> so then when like my friends do pop in, I'm just like a, what is it? Motor mouth. Like just, I want to tell you everything about like, two weeks of just being lonely like like all the information that I got from like podcasts or something um, which actually it's funny because podcasts I felt less lonely because I'm hearing people talk and I, I'm, I'm learning new things and it's just not it's not the same playlist music on Spotify but um, I it is a lo- it is like a, a lonely <laughs> a lonely job I personally for me I'm not sure about you guys um so it is, I, I think it's really important to like go out, go somewhere like, you know, maybe it's like a 20 minute walk to this particular coffee shop. Don't take the train, just walk and and like get some fresh air. Um, and I got that from a teacher actually in, in my in my school when I was studying. They would make us like pause for a second, just walk and go get coffee, like, mm-hmm. you know, get some fresh air. I, I think that's like the biggest thing I could tell someone who does work from home, like, well, at least once a day, go get some fresh air. It mm-hmm. you can get kind of stuck. Well, yeah, I found that with head. like when I we used to work from home, uh, I'd forget to put music on for like twelve hours straight, and then my <laughs> ex would come through the door, and I'd be like a puppy. And I'm like, oh my god, did you see this in the yeah, end? Like, oh. yeah. And it's like, and it's so easy to do that because like, is anybody here actually an extrovert in in but is an illustrator and working by yourself all the time? I think it's mixed depending yeah, on the situation. I'm, I'm That's on the mood. As well, yeah. <laughs> I haven't taken my Myers Briggs in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But how do you guys combat the the kind of isolation and, and falling into maybe, like, too much isolation? Yeah, for me, like, I'm on a couple of different Facebook groups mm. where it's just illustrators and we're all, like, talking about, like, things we're working on and, like, all that. And also, like, I'm a part of, a, like, a Slack group as well where it's just, like, a lot of different designers, both in-house and out-house. And I also try at least, like, once or twice a week to try to meet up with someone. Like, I'm always, like, texting someone, like, hey, like, you want to meet up after you're finishing up work or after work or whatever so that like I can have like some kind of semblance of normalcy that like most people that have like a nine to five ten to six kind of like life would have do you work from home I do yeah does everybody here work from home oh you have a job well I have a job yeah Yeah. I would love to work from home though (laughs) (laughs) I work in a studio space that I share with two other illustrators my good friends Carrie Vanderjaar and Mark Pernice, shout out. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but that's I, gotta help, though. Yeah, definitely, because yeah. I also would just go crazy. I've worked from home before, and it's just like I see my bed, and then I go to my bed, and then I see my desk, and then I go to my desk. It's just like nothing gets done. Um, gotta put it in a different room. Yeah, well, yeah, you can't didn't... afford multi rooms. Yeah, yeah that... afford one life. room because yeah. you are a poorer person. Yeah, but like, um, <laughs> you know, which, which then motivated me to work harder so I can afford to leave the apartment and yeah. be in another space, studio, you know? Yeah. Um, but I had to, like, split a desk when I was living in London with, like, another person named Lizzie, and, you know, everyone else had their own desks, but, like, both of us were kind of broke at that point, and we were like, but we need to get out of the house. Yeah. So, you know, you just Make kind of figure out, yeah, exactly, like, what works for you if it's working in a coffee shop. Like, I can't really bring my pains into one, but, yeah. you know, it was... Mm-hmm. It was a priority for me to have a studio space. So when I moved to New York, it was like the first thing that I settled on was um, a studio desk in a shared space. And it's been that way ever since I've been here. And I think it not only benefits for the social aspect where I feel like I'm connected to other people, but it also 
is like this situation where you get to talk about like pricing or like what's going on or what do I do in this like this client's being crazy or I just need to vent it really does help to have a group of people so yeah I recommend it I I think I'm pretty lucky right now with my situation that so in the uh I I when I first moved to New York you know you have your like cigarette uh box of an apartment it's tiny as hell and I wasn't getting uh I wasn't being productive with like having my bed right there but um now I, I, I'm so lucky to have like two floors and bedrooms upstairs. And mm-hmm. now like I can have that separation between this yeah. is business time and that up there, that's like personal time. That's where you sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that separation was super important to me. But then um, also, you know, being this hermit, um, <laughs> I, I do work, I would say, 40 percent of the time outside of my apartment. Um and in the beginning, I used to work at coffee shops. I love coffee shops um, because I just like to be around people. Uh, it motivates me to work yeah. more. Um, and this is also, uh, I think I was talking about this earlier, that I don't, I don't like things that anchor me to one place. I refuse to get like a desktop monitor. I only have a laptop. I don't use Wacom tablets or anything like mm-hmm. that. I, I try to condense everything down to like the few uh, objects that... Um, that I have to like transport around, um, but now my and actually my backpack is like right behind me with my laptop, and yeah. I'll, right after this I'm gonna go and work. Um, but my favorite thing to do is go to libraries now because now people mm-hmm. don't talk to you. Like, Shh, ma'am, you're not allowed to talk to me here. Whereas before in coffee shops, you know, someone actually might recognize your work or might like start asking about your work or someone what are you wants doing yeah. right yeah or someone's gonna tell you about like oh yeah I used to draw my kid draws or things like that and I yeah. <laughs> ma'am I'm on a deadline like I don't need to hear about your like life story. Um, <laughs> so I. I I always um, I, try, I try to tell some people who are first starting off and can't afford a studio, go to the library. It's mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. They have Wi-Fi. They have so much space. It's, the books are also free. It's <laughs> crazy. It's pretty. Awesome. I love the library. Yeah. I remember those places. That's yeah. Nice. So right after this, I'm just gonna like catch the six train, right back up and get off at Bryant Park and go work. Oh, and the good one, the good library. Yeah, the, oh, the that is ultimate my, studio. My favorite place in. All of New York. Oh, that's awesome. All of New York. I love working under there. It's They have like this beautiful blue-pink sky above you. You feel like you're transported somewhere else. You're around all these academics. You feel like, I need to get shit done. <laughs> you just gave away the secret, and now everyone's going to yeah, be watching there. Yeah, I've been posting about it okay, good, on good, Instagram. Good. It's okay. <laughs> no, I'm on like the exact same page as you. I need other people to be around so that I feel pressure to not procrastinate. Because yeah. like right now I work in a cubicle, and yeah. it's so easy to get trapped in my own yeah. world. Like, I'm sorry if my boss is listening, but sometimes I do take, like, BuzzFeed quizzes and stuff just to break up the day. But as soon as someone else can see what I'm doing, I feel like I have to The guilt. The public shaming of it. Like, oh, I don't want them to catch me on Facebook. And it holds you accountable. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. You're like, everyone else has jobs. I am twiddling my thumbs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I... I want to be around people, but I don't want them to talk to me. I don't want to, to talk to them. Yeah, I don't want to talk to you. I just want the energy. Don't talk to me. Yeah, I yeah. just want you around. You found around. the perfect place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I could bring my cat to the library with me, that would be the ultimate yeah. goal oh, of a working no. space. <laughs> I feel like whenever I'm procrastinating, my cat knows. 
and starts <laughs> bothering like, me, and I'm like, you. oh no, I need to go back and work. You You're putting out the procrastination cats. vibe. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Does everyone here have cats? You guys no, have I have dogs. Cats hate me. Mm. I wish I could have a dog. I don't have pets. Mm. It's also good. They're <laughs> a lot of work. They're like little babies that never yeah, grow up. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> learn how to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> your cat sits on your laptop right as you're in like the mood and you're jamming out on some work. That's when my cat always sits there. <laughs> Ruins the flow. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Now, for for you guys, is is it? You know, I know Molly. You have a, a job doing design. Is is illustration your primary source of income, or do you have other sources like a shop or any anything else that you're doing to bring income in? I just do illustration. I am too lazy to run a shop. I am sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm an adjunct professor at New York City College of Technology. Oh wow. Yeah, and uh, I'm currently also a on contract with Dot Dash, doing a shit ton of editorial pieces for them. So, like, I, like, type in hours, how many hours a week, and log in, like, how many pieces I'm turning in on top of, like, my other freelance work. So, like... It's good to have that to kind of study. Yeah, so I, like, every Friday, now I'm just getting a paycheck from them, like, direct Paychecks. deposit. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it's way better because... Uh, I used to work at Thrillist, mm. and I basically I would have to go to their Soho office every week and just going in somewhere, like, was just, like, a mixture of, like, oh, like, I'm around people, but also I have people staring at me sometimes when I'm drawing, and that's weird, and I don't uh -huh. like that. Yeah. So this is, like, the best of both worlds in a way. Yeah. I uh, just do illustration, and I... Uh, I feel bad, but I, I get people asking me like, oh, I want to buy a print. And I kind of ignore the email because I, I don't have time to go to the like print shop and yeah. like try to get these colors right. And yeah. so I have no shop right now. I've been saying that every year I'm going to open one up, but it's so difficult. <laughs> you don't really want one. Yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's its I, own I, thing. Eventually, yeah. yeah, you it's... And some people make so much money off of it. I've been told. Do you do you, <laughs> do you not uh, like do like a print on demand site like Society Six? Yes, yeah, Society Six or any no, print. No, I mean, no. if you okay, just load I, it up, just direct them to that. I'm so anal about the colors, and oh. even me like overseeing the printing. And I go. I've been to like three different mm -hmm. print shops in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. and it's just so goddamn hard to print, <laughs> like to recreate blue in print, yeah. and that's. Most of my work is this like ultramarine blue. Yeah, using and, that RGB as much as yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, as much as I can. And as soon as it comes out in print, I'm just not about it. Like if I'm mm -hmm. going to do the print, it's going to have to be exactly mm -hmm. the colors that mm. that I like portrayed like uh, digitally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you, Do you guys think it's necessary to have a rep or an agent? I don't have one. You guys have one? I don't. I don't have one. I've actually like a couple of years ago tried to get one, and I've just gotten so many either ghosting or rejections that I'm just like, well, I guess it's just me and no one else. So yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I have one, um, and I love you, Helen and Dan. Um, I, but you know, I don't think it's a necessity. I think it just depends on what kind of direction and work you're making and what kind of help you want. Um, and I get along really well with my agents and. I feel very open to being able to communicate and just say, like, oh, I'm working on some other projects right now, like, you know, so I'm not going to be taking on, like, work, if, so you don't have to, like, send me things. Or, like, it's quite open where if people email me directly, then I am able to just kind of handle it. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of like a so how do you, an open relationship. Yeah, so how would you, <laughs> like, how does someone know, like, what kind of stuff would be good to have a rep handle and, and if you should want one? Mm, I think, like, 
most of the time when people get them, it's like they want big jobs, like advertising work or to like go in a market that they feel like they can't penetrate. And like editorial is really easy. I feel like no one needs a rep for editorial work. Um, like maybe for book publishing and children's books, you it's like a literary agent is actually probably more of a help than an illustration agent mm. just because they'll be able to connect you with authors and publishing houses. And they take less of a cut. They do. Um, And also, uh, I think, like, maybe for, like, big animation projects or anything that just involves, like, way more people and, like, complicated contracts, uh, agents are a great help. So it's just someone to kind of, like, be on your side, read through things, kind of help you, like, fight for you, basically. Um, And as far as, like, you know, them being able to get you all the jobs, I think the reality is that they also rep other people, and if you can't get your own jobs, then having a rep isn't going to solve that problem, so I've always been under the mindset, and my reps know this, where I I make most of my own money, and they're like dessert. Like, I could have it, and it's nice, or if I don't have it, it's also fine. Um, it's just like a little extra for me, so... Um, I would never recommend someone getting a rep to try and, like, solve their lack of jobs problem. Yeah, it's almost probably better if you have too many jobs coming in you need someone to help you manage them and yeah, maximize. Yeah, you know, totally. Reference. You could get, like, a project manager instead. Like, there's other mm. people that are not reps that can also help you. Like, some people have lawyers instead of reps. Some mm-hmm. people have bookkeepers and, like, accountants. and stuff. I mean, not that agents do that stuff, but, yeah. like, whatever it is that you need help in, there's people that could either help you with those specific things. But reps in themselves are, you know, they need you as Much. more than you need mm. them. So, first coming... Um, into you know the freelance world and illustration, I I used to think that um, having a rep that's like the mark. That's mm-hmm. like you're a professional now. You're making it, and um, and no one was like you know contacting me anything about representing me. Um, even though like uh, agencies were following me and their reps were following me, but no one was asking me. So I'm like, oh, I must not be good enough. Mm. And uh, it was stressful in the beginning. Um, and uh, some people would be like, do you have a rep? Do you have a rep? No. Um, and eventually, I one of like uh, my idols within this contemporary uh, illustration world is Adele Rodriguez. And he does he's known for most of his Trump work. Um, and uh, one day, I just like, uh, I we bumped into each other, and I was talking to him about a rep. And then he goes, I don't have a rep. I'm like, what? Man, you're on CNN, and you don't have a rep? And he's like, nope, I don't have a rep. And, you know, uh, and I've been doing this for probably longer than I've been alive. Right. But <laughs> he, he doesn't have one. And that was just so, like, I could, I felt like I could breathe again. Mm. That, oh, I don't need one. You just need, and if you're not going to have one, you need to be fucking organized. Mm. Like, you can't just think that you're not going to have one and then um, uh, just you'll forget about your invoices and everything. So, uh, which I was actually just talking to my friends who are going into freelance that I'm I'm thinking about sharing some of these things with um, through social media. Yeah. Like how to keep uh, track of your invoices and when you sent them out and who did you contact and have they been sent? Have you sent the second invoice? Mm-hmm. Um, keeping track of everything. So uh, when you don't have a rep, you are... You know, you're you're the your artist. Yeah. yeah, you're the artist, but you're also your secretary, you're your intern, you're your boss. You have to keep track of all these documents, and you, um, you have to figure out a, like a a productive way of organizing all of this. Otherwise, you're gonna drown, yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. in all like the the paperwork. And that's what I feel like they didn't let you know in college. There is so much 
paperwork. Mm-hmm. Like you, you think that you would be working most of the time, that that's what you're doing. You're illustrating, but you're actually emailing so much mm-hmm. and, and writing documents. And um, it's crazy when it comes time for payment that people are like, oh, um, like a week later, they'll they'll send you like, oh, we forgot to send you a W-9. We forgot to send you this so like form. Oh, can you give us like your bank information? And you figure it out after like maybe a year or two years. You send it day one. Yeah. Yeah. In day one, I have like a checklist. Like, did you send the W-9? Is your like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, direct deposit form sent out? Your invoice sent out? Like, is it correctly uh, dated? Like everything. NDA signed or PO or everything. Everything. And that's like, those are like the immediate questions that I ask when I get a job. I'm like, do you have an NDA form? Do you uh, like, do you need this kind of form? Do you need that kind of form? Like, let me know what you need. Everything. Here it all is. Yeah. Yeah, You need like a starter pack basically when you (laughs) get launched into freelance. It's like all those things. Um, My friend Johnny has an app or like a website for freelancers uh, where it keeps track of like invoicing. It's called Cushion. Oh, Uh, it's really great. I use it for um, like writing invoices and it keeps track of like how many days have passed exactly like the things that you were saying. Yeah. Um, And it like can send reminders. It could like it just has all the things that we need. So it's a great resource if anyone's interested in using it. Um, But I totally agree. Like, I honestly think we don't learn about this stuff in art school because it's so much harder to be like, would you like to run your own business, yeah. writing emails and like, no, filling sucks. out forms that and terrible. maybe also draw sometimes. It's like, no, fuck yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and that's I, I'm like dying to teach like a business and illustration class. I could be like, all right, guys, let me pull out the Excel spreadsheets and let's mm-hmm. let's do this. Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'm, I'm down to help figure that out. Yeah, yeah. I'm lucky. We started touching on it a bit while I was in school. We had a optional classes called pro practices they shouldn't be optional they should be required yeah why we'd go through like how do you write an email to an art director what's an invoice look like how do you start reaching out for internships Mm. how do you collect this data yeah uh, totally stuff in these forms and luckily one of my professors too john Hendricks, he gave us this how to set up your studio packet towards the end of um towards graduation and it has like what his invoices look like oh that's good like contract negotiations how you can uh like scratch stuff out right in your own terms Mm -hmm. and it it shows us like how to be flexible and to really run our own business which i didn't expect going into this field no so you're just gonna have fun drawing stuff that you like i would argue that it's probably more than half of the amount of work you're actually doing is like this Mm -hmm. stuff yeah Yeah. so i try to get it out like within the first two emails and I, I I try to uh, get that uh, across to my friends who I'll sometimes watch who are just like starting off and they're like they're going back and forth with the with the art directors and I'm like no 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 girl like mm-hmm. get it done the first yeah. two days there like, it is yeah. ask everything that you need and then let them know I will contact you back Friday with the sketches send them the sketches okay like approved great gonna do my like my yeah. thing. Here it is. Like I sent you a Dropbox uh, link and then on it I have, you know, here are the sketches that you can see if you want to check them again. Mm-hmm. Here's the finals and here are my documents, my W-9, my invoice. Yeah, everything organized. My, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, smart. Out. Yeah. I wonder how much of a responsibility clients have for making sure that all that information is also sorted because we have to do like the work on top of having to also juggle yeah. all these paperwork. Um, And I just... I wish that clients could also be clear, like, rather than just, like, hey, like, 
we're just wondering if you like want to draw some stuff for us. Bye. And I'm like, yeah. okay, but like, and that's, give that's me information. Yeah. Like, uh, please. That is exactly yeah. like how sometimes they are. They're <laughs> like, okay, oh, I got the work. Bye. And then yeah. you're like, yeah, hey, <laughs> I haven't received payment. So yeah. now I, I always put um, uh, if uh, late fees. Mm. It's right on my invoice. In your and agreement. Yeah. yeah. And it's red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's red. And it, it's uh, 5% of my of my invoice. If I don't receive it within a month, you're getting another invoice and that additional 5% late fee. Mm. Um, so that kind of just puts like a, what is, Pressure. The, what is the term? Fire under the under, Fire under their ass? Under, yeah, yeah, fire under their ass. Yeah. Like, right under the asshole. Yeah, to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, but, my, my least favorite email is getting a client emailing me saying, oh, here's the contract and just let me know if you want to have anything changed. And then I, and you can like, cross it out, whatever, and I'm like, what do you mean? And yeah, then I read well, it, and it's like... What would like I want to change, yeah. Flurried with, like, work for hire language. We'll owe it till the sun blows up. And yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> come on, if you knew I was going to not like this, why would you even send it? Well, because they have, like, boilerplates yeah. for, yeah. like, all... Any of those contracts are to protect them yeah. more than you. Well, and and if a, you have your own contract, you should send them. Yeah. I think this is, like, an opportunity for us to, like, help set people up for success and, like, what's the boilerplate contract for True. artists to make sure... All right, I got I got work to do. Okay, um, how do how do you guys uh, handle those times when work isn't coming in? Oh, <laughs> I so this is like the only two. Marley, you're so excited for this. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so I did like a ladies' wine and design that like yeah. uh, oh at the Justin, wing. Yeah, at the wing. Oh. The, were you there? No, oh. I've been trying to go, but no. <laughs> yeah. the, so I um, uh, Jessica Walsh like uh, invited me to one of her events there and. Um, I had um, I had legends around me. I'm like, oh, what the hell do I have to say? Like these women uh-huh. are legends in this industry. Um, but the only two cents that I got out during that event was like, what do you do when you know you have like a dry spell? No one is hiring you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hire myself. If no one is hiring me, well then you know what? You either are you gonna do a campaign or are you gonna do an editorial piece? And then. Um, if I decide that I'm going to do an editorial piece um, about a certain subject, okay, uh, provide the sketches. So I, I provide myself, like, the three sketches. Mm. I have to get it done within a day. And then pick one. And then, all right, so by Friday. Get it done by Friday. And then I look over the piece. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then I just, like, I keep producing my own work. It's When no work is coming in, that's, like, beautiful time to make your own work. Yeah. Um, and hire yourself. You're uh, investing in yourself, really. Yeah. yeah so and it, and it doesn't help just pining for work. It's like you really got to go. And I, I think a lot of times too, I I always liked uh, using that time to invest in myself in other ways, like going to museums, yeah. going to the park. Like other people don't have the opportunity to do this. They don't have the flexibility to do this. Yeah. So how do I make the most of things that make me happy or will enrich me, and then I can bring that back to whatever work I'm doing after. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in personal projects and getting the chance to make the things I want to make, you don't always have that luxury. Mm-hmm. And it gives you the chance, too, to make work that you want to get hired for. Like, I know some people who, if they're really into a show, they'll make fan art for it. Yeah. And sometimes that can turn into endorsements by that um, that show or that company, and it can turn to more exciting work because people see the stuff you're passionate about. Definitely. Yeah, that's really smart. Um, is there anything about the industry or your job annoying you right now? Wait, what? what is there anything about the industry as a whole or about your day-to-day job that's, like, super annoying to you right now? Anything you want to vent on? 
I think just having to deal with the emails and the back and forth <laughs> yeah. with clients. Um, clients forget about you as soon as they get their their artwork. Yeah. And then they're and you know, it's not it's not like they're evil. It's just that they're moving on to the next project. Um, so like you're like, hey, I'm I'm still here. Still don't have my money. Do, do any of you like like require like quarter or half up front? No. Uh, on certain mm-hmm. on certain projects, I do. Like uh, right now, I'm working on uh, a series of five uh, music videos for an uh, educational company. That's cool. And for and before I start each project, I always get thirty uh, percent up front, and then I get the back half when it's all done. Oh, that's so. that's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing children's books right now, so I have like a signing. Uh, what is it? Bonus. Advance. Okay, and then yeah. like yeah. when you deliver and then like upon publication. So it's kind of spread out. But normally for, I also kind of feel like I, <laughs> I feel uncomfortable getting paid like before doing anything just because I'm so used to getting paid after I do things, which yeah. is, you know, like I, I shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. But, you know, like everyone else gets paid immediately. But um, I think it puts some kind of a weird pressure on me when I haven't done anything yet. And I feel like I have, you then can't have, back out anymore. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it makes it harder. Yeah, that's right. Like I, I don't want to like give anything back. Basically, yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm, I know that I can deliver, but I also want you guys to deliver, but at the right time. Yeah. So, um, I've been thinking a lot about like award shows and fees and things and how expensive it can it's be to get crazy. your name out there. <laughs> it is so ridiculous. Yeah, there's <laughs> so many different shows, and sometimes it can be like thirty-five bucks an image, fifty bucks an image, and if you have a year's worth of work and you have to do this for all these different shows, the recognition mm-hmm. really adds up and it becomes important. But if you're someone without a lot of money, it becomes really hard to get um, these accolades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I, I've like talked actually about this with um, a, a, like a lot of my friends um, because a, a lot of my friends don't go into these um, these competitions. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, often I think it's the same people judging the work and giving themselves these awards and it's like They're the same circular. it's a, it's the yeah. same friend group it's con- yeah. i on- honestly think it's the same friend group that's just awarding each other and uh, i'm sorry but like jacking each other off like, <laughs> cross circle I, wow. I just uh so sometimes i, I don't really <laughs> i i don't really submit my work into these stuff because yeah. i don't need your award to get my job and i don't i don't need your recognition you know to like be established in in this field and um at first, I, I thought that it was really important. Like, I need this award. Everyone that I love whose work um, I admire and is really yeah. established has this award. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you know what? Like, my client doesn't give a, like, shit yeah. that I don't have that award. Yeah. And it's not on my, like, website. Um, but it does really infuriate me. Like, how are you going to open up this field for more, like, more people, especially more people of color. It's a barrier that, yeah. time. Yeah. If you don't have money, you can't exactly. get it to make more money. And yeah. I kind of, I, I lost it a bit on one uh, competition, uh, a couple, like maybe a year or two years ago, because um, I, I had never actually done it. I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, maybe some time to get some recognition. So I paid to submit my work. Then I, I got the award. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Then I had to pay for a publication the publication fee. yeah and oh, that's then annoying. and then yeah and then you don't even be, get the book yeah. what a you racket to, yeah then you have to pay for the book so um i was like fuck that i'm not doing that yeah. like are you kidding me i i already paid you to like where did that money go that yeah. that you used mm-hmm. to judge my work and yeah. it's like a thousand people that like freaking uh submit their work and then i got hounded 
down. Is that the word hounded? Yeah. yeah. Hounded yeah. down <laughs> by them. Called me, emailed me. They're like, you gotta hey. buy the book. Yeah. Oh, they're like, oh, you haven't paid your publication fee. You haven't paid your publication fee. And I'm like, why do I have to pay a publication fee? I already paid you. And my money. artwork's in that so you can sell it. Yeah, to other people. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, well, the way that we do this is like, they're explaining me their whole yeah. process. And I completely, I disagree with it. Yeah. By the time that, you know, you got this award and which is what, like a piece of paper, yeah. um, you've probably blown like $200 yeah. so someone can judge your work. And you know what? You don't even have the damn book yeah. to even appreciate yeah, your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I think it's very elitist. It's very yeah. pay-to-play. In yeah, some way. most yeah. of these these award shows here it's are super elitist. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's, Same there, people. There's only one competition that I enter in, uh, personally, and it's the Society of Illustrators. Mm-hmm. It's been an organization for over 100 years, and it started off as like a social group, and now it's more of an educational advocate. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's also the only competition where it's a, an award show where they give out medals, and there's a gallery show in a gallery that they own in a building in, in like, the Upper East Side. And, um, you know... They have like a membership that you can enter into and everything too, and but that only accounts for like a quarter of it, and the majority of what they get is from grants and like people entering into these annuals. And what they do with the money is then they go and they educate like young children on like illustration, having and like um, you know going to like prisons to like teach inmates how to like do illustration. Oh, wow. So yeah. like mm-hmm. it's like a whole other thing. Like so I feel yeah. like yeah. sure there's like a fee to enter in Society of Illustrators and there's a publication fee with them. But I think that that is all worth it if they're doing all these other great things with the money that I'm giving them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You ha- might have to look into yeah, like, yeah, the competitions exactly. yeah. that um, I, I personally, I, um, I almost every year I go into the um, American Illustration, American Photography, Latin American portion. Yeah. Mm. They have done so much for me and it's like this mm-hmm. small little category, I mean group, yeah. within this giant... Um, established, uh, uh, what are they like? Judging panel. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not only did like they'll give you the their little pamphlet. You're not gonna get a big book, but they'll give you the pamphlet where your work is um, established. Mm-hmm. Um, they promote your work. They print it out and place it around the galleries, like actually huge, not like yeah. just I a saw little that paper. Show. It was really yeah. good. Yeah. That's and great. then um, they will show your work to Epson, and Epson could sponsor it. And twice okay. now. Uh, my work has gone global from like Brazil to Colombia to California. Like just awesome. they they do so much for you. So when you're gonna go into these like competitions, um, just look at what you're gonna really get yeah. back from mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, as a student submitting to the competitions is probably like usually get a student rate, yeah, right. yeah, and yeah. it's also like getting your work under the noses of the judging panel, yeah. which is usually like art directors or you know people who are working contemporarily and um i i totally agree with the whole like is this necessary i've questioned it before but i've also submitted it and i'm like is a part of it kind of trying to keep a community of people together and you know you're supporting your own people by providing like your allegiance but or is it just like a total like scam where we're all just like paying for this company (laughs) to be or like whatever you know so i think you know you're totally right if you're getting something from it, then it's worth it. But if you're not getting anything and it's, like, costing you an arm and a leg, like, you can also, like, there's things, 
I mean, you know, like I said, I'm not on Instagram, but yeah. there are way more places that people are like looking to get hired. Yeah. So it's not just if, relying on those. Totally. Yeah. Anywhere. So if you're not submitting to these, it's not the end of your career. Yeah. If you submit to them and you get something out of it, then that's also really great. So, you know, we just kind of find our own ways, but it's definitely another optional option. Optional option. I like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, a couple last quick questions. Uh, is there anyone who makes you jealous? Hmm. Who makes me jealous? I think anyone who can casually or at least on the surface separate their work from their life, like mm-hmm. making it look real easy. I don't know if there's anyone like specifically, but usually when it's like anyone who looks relaxed to me, I'm jealous. Because <laughs> you're not relaxed? Well, I'm just like, do you, do you see how high my shoulders are? They're like <laughs> over my ears. <laughs> um, well, I just think like I feel really happy to be doing what I do and I feel really lucky and privileged but you know it's also like really taxing and I feel like I can't complain about my work when like when I realize that it's just like drawing and painting you know like it just feels Mm -hmm. like I'm being ungrateful um but you know it's like as far as envying people who can like make it seem seamless and easy like maybe it's just an illusion yeah like I'll be jealous of that I'm not ashamed (laughs) I'm pretty jealous of effortless like effortless artists just like oh i just did this stroke today and i'll post it and uh it's gotten like a million fo- like <laughs> likes it and then I, oh i don't know gucci loved it and now like uh I'm now so- it's in their f- fall fall winter campaign <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like what <laughs> and then i i killed myself we're like rendering this one eyeball <laughs> and you will never know. Like, you'll never know how much it took to, like, render that eye or that ear mm-hmm. on this portrait that, I don't know, no one gave a shit about. <laughs> well, I give a shit about it. Yeah, Thank I'm, you. I'm really jealous of people that do character-based stuff where they're getting hired for editorial and advertising and this and that, but they're also just posting a lot of, like, personal comics and, like, zines and stuff, so they're just posting excerpts from that, mm. like, every single day, and I'm just, like... I don't have something every single day to post because I'm always, like, making these, like, really thought-out, like, polished, like, images. Same. And that's, yeah, it's just so frustrating when I'm like, how how does this thing that you did that's so little that doesn't really have a lot of meaning but is, like, really cool and I like it but (laughs) seems like 2,000 other people that also liked it like it. So it's a little bit of that. And I have to, like, take a step back and just be like, well... They're doing their thing and I'm doing mine and I have to recognize that. I used to be very jealous of like some specific illustrators and I just had to really set myself back and be like, well, I'm on a certain path and they're on their own path and just kind of recognize that. Well, I I think that's like John Bergerman and on last season Overshare, he said, you know, I can go and look at that, but would I want to go and eat what they have to eat and kiss who they kiss and go to the bathroom when they go to the, how they go to the bathroom and to be that person and make the sacrifices they made and all that. He's like, no, I want to be me and I want to live my life. And so it's so easy to want to be someone else, but just thinking of all the things you'd have to do to do that. And they're already them. So don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no one I'm really jealous of because I feel like I'm not going to make exactly what they make. That's not who I am. I can't replicate that. I don't want to replicate it. But like Victo Nye. I'm I'm a big fangirl for whatever she spits out, and she does so much stuff so quickly. It's really amazing. But I also like those artists that are able to inject so much joy into what they do, like Christian Robinson, Keith Negley. I think their work is just so fun. Yeah, that's great. Can I just add something about something? Where yeah, please. 
I I know that we're really critical of our work and like the way that we behave and everything we do and just this kind of lifestyle that we live is really punishing. But I often hear and like even when we were talking, you know, it's like we're kind of beating ourselves up a lot over like I didn't do this or like I could have done that or like they're doing this. And it's really hard to be like really kind to yourself when you're in the middle of things where you're like overworked and everything takes time and you feel like you're sinking a lot and you're just like treading water. But it's like a good reminder to like take care of yourself, like get some sleep, drink yeah. some water, eat yeah. some cashews, take a nap. Like I, uh-huh. I highly fully believe that that's more important than like getting jobs, hustling, posting on Instagram, like yeah. making sure everyone knows that my heart is beating and I'm alive and passionate about this work. It's yeah. it's just like it's yeah, secondary. Yeah. yeah. So be kind to yourself. Well, I think it's also like we often talk to ourselves and say things to ourselves that we would never say to a friend. Yes. And I was it's just like, going to yeah. say that. Yeah, you got you to you be nice to yourself. I can mm-hmm. be so mean. to Like if if I I wouldn't be friends with someone who treated me the way I treat myself yeah. <laughs> sometimes. I can yeah. be so mean and brutal to myself. Like, your work is shit. Why are you even trying? Yeah. Like, yeah. can you imagine saying that to one of your friends? No. Like, at like their like lowest point? Mm. Sometimes, no. Like, when my friend comes around and they're feeling down, I'm like, come on, girl, you're amazing. Like, you're sparkling. Yeah. But f- to myself, you know, it's like 1 a.m. and I, I, the deadline's a couple of hours away and I'm not feeling really thrilled about the piece. I'm like, why are you even trying this yeah. shit? And yeah. you have to remind yourself, like, be good to yourself. Be kind. Yeah. And also yeah. be kind to your friends. Like, if you're thinking about your friend, hit them up and tell them how great they are. Yeah. If you're a fan yeah. of someone's work, hit them up and tell them how great yeah. they are. Because it goes a long way and it may come at that moment that they really need it. Yeah. And also take care of your body. I just <laughs> had to have surgery on my hand because oh, wow. I didn't use a mouse enough. Mm. It was I got trigger finger because I'd always use my right middle finger the tap of my laptop. Wow. And then I I like woke up one day and my finger was bent, curled up into my hand. I had to pry it open and I had to go through physical therapy. What? Yeah, and then I got pain again this summer and I found a cyst in my finger, so I had to get that surgically removed. And I feel like it's stuff that's all kind of preventable. I mean, I'm only 22, yet I'm having these issues now. Yeah. Getting a good chair is important, which I yeah. don't have at the moment. Yeah. Wait, how how does that... Did You have to use a mouse? Like, it's yeah. recommended it, Was it from mouse? a trackpad? Is that what you're... Yeah, a yeah. trackpad. Because oh, I only wow. use my trackpad. You should oh. get a mouse. Yeah. You should get an ergonomic mouse. I have one where your arm is, like, tilted to the side and you click sideways. What? Oh, can you send me a oh, link to that and we'll put I that will. in the show notes, yes. too. Yeah. It's only 20 bucks, too. Just and it's do stretches, weekend. you know? Like, you yeah. got Yeah, totally. Get up. <laughs> your body is everything. Your life is the only yeah. way that you're going to be able to continue to make work. It's like, yeah, you got you to maintenance this. Yeah, I mean, like, whenever I had students be like, you know, do you have any, like, advice for me? Like, very similar to everything everyone just said, I say literally... Get a nice chair, like do yoga, like stretch before and after you do work. You know, do you want me, do you want me to send you some like good like vegetarian recipes? Like mm-hmm. stop eating shit. Like yeah. like all these things amount to like longevity, both as like an adult as an artist. You know, mm-hmm. food, food is so I What's forget about eating. For, yeah, totally. All the time. My uh, screensaver is don't forget to eat food. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's smart. So good. That's yeah. really good. I I always forget and. Uh, it it will take my mom sometimes to remind me she'll call and yeah. my mom's a chef so that's like oh. her life she only thinks about food and making sure you're eating yeah, yeah. and then she'll just like did you eat today or like my friends will text me did you eat today because yeah. they know that one I don't like breakfast and then <laughs> by the time I've noticed it's like 9pm my friends are coming home or something and I 
I haven't had a meal. I've just like been focused all day on working. And when I'm like really zoned in, I forget about the bathroom. I forget about eating. Yeah. I forget mm-hmm. about everything. I just mm, so you gotta, you gotta give yourself those give yourself those breaks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, breaks are so important. I want to give Molly a chance since you're the rookie of the group, and these are your flashcards sitting in front of you. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to ask the group? Um. I think my only question is when you're first starting to reach out to art directors and you're waiting for those responses, how many times do you email them before you hear something back? How many postcards does it take? Um, And when does that momentum start? I'm really not able to answer the postcards part because I did a really bad job of sending them out when I had Mm -hmm. graduated. I did one promo when I was in college and it was like a folded newspaper that had like a couple examples of my work because I was like, oh, it's editorial. I'm like, it's going to be in print. This is what it's going to look like. Ah, Um, So (laughs) I sent out maybe like a hundred like from names that I like leached off of magazines and stuff like that. But I think I maybe have got, I got like three jobs from that and because it was the only one I there was like no follow-up it was just like it's out there in the world and it's gone um but I think if you're gonna like send out any like whenever you have updated work or like you've just freshened up your website or you want you did something and you want people to know about it uh you can either like if you send out a physical thing you could do that like maybe once a year and then if you have like you know, just an updated, like, PDF that you want to email, you could just do that maybe six months. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... Even having a mailing list is good. If, if people are, you know, willing to, mm-hmm. you know, welcome you into sheet. their inbox, then I mean, that's a good thing. How is Instagram too. not, like, a yeah. newsletter already? But All those damn algorithms, though. I, yeah. I know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't make a newsletter personally just because I, I wouldn't don't have to, like, <laughs> yeah, put yeah. content on it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think... You know, I don't think you can, it just, if you're emailing, keep it short and sweet, just attach, like, your PDF, like, hey, mm-hmm. like, just, like, hope so, hope you don't mind the cold call, just that, like, I made some new work if you're interested. And you feel like those work? Yeah, yeah I mean, because, like, they don't have time to read a long email. Yeah. No one has time to read a long email. Leave with an image. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm different. <laughs> uh, I send out uh, two to three postcards every year, mm-hmm. and I send out a email newsletter about every like 30 to like 45 days oh, wow. depending on like okay. you know whatever and I and my newsletters always have like like two to three images attached to it and like I use MailChimp to like send it all out okay. um, and I have like two different lists so one list is like people that subscribe th- through my website and I also have a list that I bought through agency access mm-hmm. then I have a third list where it is an entire Excel spreadsheet of like clients that Either A, I know that they do not like email newsletters. <laughs> so they just prefer to have like one or two emails a year where I just email them directly. Mm. Uh, and I also note when the last time I actually emailed them as well in the spreadsheet so that I have like a notation of that. And so like every like two to three months, I will email from that list of people so that they know like I know that they know me and everything. <laughs> and uh, I also buy a lot of, like, sponsored Instagram ads, too, to kind of, like, mm-hmm. bring in that. And I've seen, like, a lot of return on investment on these, like, practices over the years. Oh, so, nice. like, for me, like, it's, like, a little different because I try to do that. But that's that's just my way of practicing it and how I see things. Mm-hmm. Um, so mine is hella different. <laughs> I, uh, I've never sent a postcard out. Uh, I don't do mailing lists or anything like that Um, just because um, I think that's like my own anxiety. I'm very shy. I don't like to bother people. And I always feel like, oh, 
I'm bothering someone. I take half an hour to write an email. Yeah, yeah, same, same, same. And <laughs> I try to like just do like one simple sentence. And when I first graduated, uh, my friends would be like, oh, I just sent out 100 emails. I'm like, I, I'm having a panic attack about this one email. Yeah. Um, and it just, I found out it's not, it's not my thing. I can't, I can't just mm-hmm. like contact someone, hire me. Um, so I decided to just focus on my portfolio. And then the way that I could possibly reach out to these people was through platforms. Mm-hmm. So I concentrated my time on Instagram and on Behance mm-hmm. and um, really putting that work out there. And if I was going to use Instagram to like um, uh, as a launching tool for my career, then find these art directors, follow them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, if uh, in the beginning when I, I started, I, I would, you know, I'd find a, an article and I'm like, God, I wish that they had hired me for this article. Well, then hire yourself for it. So I just like would recreate this article. I'm like, oh, um, I was really inspired by this article written by so-and-so, art directed by so-and-so. Well, now they're tagged. Now they can keep me in mind for oh, a smart. potential project without like necessarily. Yeah, how you would have handled you. the brief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, even myself, I'm not an art director, but I get a lot of emails and DMs from like students. They're asking for like maybe an internship or something. And I I don't have time and I feel horrible because sometimes I can't read through like two mm-hmm. paragraphs that are being sent like, oh, I'm a student from so and so and I'm trying to get in here and like yeah. and they follow up. And I just it's crazy the amount of times that I star all of these. And I'm like, OK, on Sunday, I'll get back to all these yeah, emails, hard to. but I can't. And it's the same thing with art directors, but probably a hundred times more. Yeah. They get so many emails, and it's so easy to get yours lost in there. Yeah. Um, but keep making great work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just, I kind of, um, my own advice is to focus on platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you, if you don't have the time to do like the mailing list, or if you have some anxiety about the mailing list, and like you may feel that it's not working for you, creating these informal uh, relationships with art directors through um, social media is Mm -hmm. so it's chill because they don't feel like they're being bombarded by something and they're just like looking through their feed and then they just see your work and they're like oh shit let me hire them for this other project and I I like to keep things informal all the time (laughs) well it's really important to know what works for you so that's great well could I add just one more thing since you are here in New York it also doesn't hurt to meet people in person if you have their emails Mm -hmm. I I feel like meeting people face-to-face is, although terrifying, it could also just be, like, a much more intimate, memorable right. thing. And they'll remember who you are. They'll put your face to your work. How do you yeah. approach that? Do you say, hey, I mean, if you have their or, email address, yeah. yeah, you could be like, could I come by if you have some time to, like, just... I think it tends to work better for people who are coming in from out of town. They're like, I only have this much time. But you're like, hey, I just moved here. You know, I'm just wondering if you have some time. It could be over coffee. You could meet them at their office. Mm-hmm. You know, just, like, make it easy yeah. for them. And yeah. throw it out and you never know what... Yeah, out some like free happen. coffee like oh can i buy you some coffee yeah coffee. yeah like, yeah i think it's just yeah. you know it'll be a hit or miss thing and it's going to be more yeah. probably no's than yeses but yeah, don't then, take it personally right. either yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah. it's not yeah. it's not personal it's like and, people are stressed and um i so from my friends who have done the like the more email approach and i've seen that it's crazy like that it works for them um i've noticed that it's the more simple ones that have worked like um one of my by my best friend Evan Grochen, he like went from having no job to now he works at NYT. Um, 
And it all came from like this one email that he created of like this stupid cat. There's this <laughs> stupid banner of a cat. And like the cat's reaching out for the stars or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. But it's his personality. Yeah, it's yeah. his yeah. personality. Yeah, be you. And yeah. then it basically he's just sending them out to like top art directors going like, hey, sorry to bother you, but I'm just trying to get a job. And this cat wants to say hi to you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then it was I'm done so, yeah, yeah, it's done so clever and like cool. Yeah. yeah, and simple. Yeah. But what like two sentences maybe yeah, okay. yeah. and then like the resume and then this, this cool. <laughs> yeah nobody has time yeah. just show yeah. the work and, and say something personal yeah. and, and that's you and, and, and just em- embrace who you are and it's okay you yeah. Know? imagine yeah, if yeah. we could all just write emails like what we want is like hi I would like money from you please give me it <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my that's gotta be your new email now this is it's my, my signature yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah please give me it well everyone thank you so much thank you to Amali, Marley, Daniel and Ping this has been amazing. Uh, I want to do more of these now. This is great. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, I also, so thank you for joining me for this bonus episode. If you enjoyed Overshare, please let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Overshare Talks. Also subscribe to ensure you get our future episodes when season three officially launches. And I'm obligated to say rate and review us uh, to help other people discover Overshare. Thanks to the team at Second Child for hosting us in this lovely studio. Finally getting to use more of the chairs. Less lonely in here. Um, and then thanks to our audio engineer, Martin Keating. Uh, and the Overshare theme song is Let It Grow by Caleb Grow. And if you'd like to learn more about Working Not Working and join as a creative or to hire amazing creatives, check us out at workingoutworking.com. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye. Bye.